Homestyle Green, episode 181. Learning from the past and building tomorrow's house today. G'day and welcome back to another episode of Homestyle Green. This is the podcast dedicated to inspiring people to make a better place to live. This week I am talking with Felicity Bernstein, who is an architect trained in Germany, now working with her partner Mark in Melbourne, at Melbourne Design Studio in fact. They've also got another exciting project on the go, which Felicity talks about during this interview. It's fascinating learning more about what people were learning themselves uh, 20 years ago or more in places like Germany. We tend to think of places like Germany that have got it all sorted and they're building beautiful, warm, dry homes, but it hasn't always been that way. And the big lesson for us is that we don't have to go through the same painful experience that we're kind of embarking on at the moment. Uh, There is a huge opportunity to learn from the mistakes that others have made in the past and leap forward with our buildings so that we can create warm, dry, comfortable homes using prefabrication and do it affordably and do it now. That's some of the topics that we discuss in this interview. I hope you enjoy it. I started out by asking Felicity how her and Mark came to start Melbourne Design Studio. Um, Our history goes back probably much further, like we got to know each other at university, so we, um, like 20 20 odd years ago, and we always worked together in, in our lives, in our professional lives. Um, we spent some time in Germany, we spent some time in all sorts of countries and um, got to know different cultures and um, building materials and uh, ways to build and eventually we came to Australia and um, Australia is a country that we really fall in love with and we always wanted to bring some sustainability Australia to Australia and once we've been here for a few years we started our own company. What brought you to Australia in the first place? Um. Like when we came out of university, we all, we had the wish to experience different cultures by experience their architecture. Mm-hmm. So Australia was one of the countries that seemed far away and different, and yeah. so we applied for a job and got one. So you so, both you were at university in Germany. We both graduated in Germany and worked a little while there. Then we were in Arabia for a little bit and Arabia. Worked, yeah, in Oman. And um, what was the attraction there? We got to know it was the same sort of idea to learn to get to know different cultures. And mm-hmm. we had an offer from a German office that had a side office in Oman to spend some time there and get to know the local traditions and local cultures and architecture over there. So we worked with um, the, the German architect um, from Oman and um, designing some villas for some chikes and stuff like that but also some cultural sort of centers and um a hotel in an old oasis which was pretty amazing as well because the old oasis were built out of renders and they just um over time they basically um get to dry and they just disappear you know they they become one with nature eventually and so one of the projects was how we could um um, bring that back to life and bring a hotel into that uh, traditional oasis. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was an amazing project to be involved in. Yeah, yeah. So tell me, you, you trained in Germany and were, I imagine, trained on the standards at that time and, and 
started doing some work there. What were your first impressions when you got to Australia with regards to the buildings that you saw? Well, we loved the lifestyle, we loved the people, but we were a bit shocked when we came over here because yep. it's very different. Like what we had in Germany 20, 30 years ago is what is, well, probably where Australia is now is probably 50 years ago in, in Germany. So 50 still, years? I think so, because what, what, what happened there, so say in 20 years ago when we built our first home, which was actually the home for my parents, mm-hmm. um, it was a low energy house, so it hardly needed any heating and cooling. The other thing that we did was a prefab, which is just coming into the market here. So that's what we've done 20 odd years ago. And when, when we come, came over here for the first time to Australia, we saw there's so much solar, you know, there's so much out there that you could make use of because in Germany, in, there's, have, there's, there's lots of sun. There's lots of sun, yeah. But, like in Germany, yeah. you have low energy standard, but then the rest you have to produce by solar right. if you want to be yeah. off the grid and have to be fossil free. As here, that's really simple. You know, yeah. you have sun there, there's plenty of it. It's not hard and it's not as harsh the climate. So the insulation doesn't have to be as rigid as it has to be in Germany. So we saw a huge opportunity there and thought, well, if we have the chance, like we were here for a year and then we had to go back because the visa expired. And we thought if we have the chance, we come back and bring some sustainability to Australia because we have the knowledge of Germany mm-hmm. and know what we've gone through the whole development of, the, you know, insulating the buildings higher. And then there they were all the mold problems coming up and we said the whole passive house technology came in and materials that are breathable yep. to have the best of both worlds. So you have a highly insulated volume, but you don't have the mold issues that you have otherwise. Yep. Um, just, just talk us through that, that progression. So what was the genesis? Why did German, Germany and Europe start insulating more? This is around the 1970s, I'm guessing. Yeah, the 70s were pretty bad, pretty badly built. So after the war, basically, in Germany in the 50s, they had to build fast and yep. this little material. So to the fifth, from the 50s to the 70s, building quality wasn't great. Mm-hmm. And then they started acknowledging because um, energy was pretty expensive and right. people were getting quite aware. So in the 80s, there came that whole um, sustainable movement in Germany where people were aware of rubbish and waste production of um, the, the climate change and all of that and that our coal and the whole energy production has a big impact on it and that's when that whole thing I think started and people thought well we have to bring that down we have to build our buildings better and 80s 90s was that big progression in in insulating their business more and more and more yep. and some of the retrofits where you had that concrete building out of the 50s or the 70s where they put insulation that maybe even on the inside yep. and then suddenly they got all the mold and they put in tighter you know really airtight windows so they didn't have the draft coming through and suddenly they had oh my god we we can't we don't ventilate anymore enough right. so i think i think this is a this is important because this is, this is sort of where we are now like you say 20 years um or maybe more uh, in in the in the past, uh, but Germany experienced the same problems, right? So they're insulating, getting more airtight, and suddenly, oh, all this mold starts to appear. Because I, I think the perception is that sometimes uh, Germany, Europe's got it all sorted, but not really. We have it all sorted now, but now. we went through that process, which yeah. we know now. Like when we went to when you, university, that's what we learned. You know, right. so. Yes, you have to insulate well, but you have to be careful because 
So we learned how to calculate that where is condensation happening yep. and um, what's what can you do to avoid it. So in the 90s when we studied, that was like they, they knew it all and they knew that was what we had to look out for. So we knew we had to find materials that were breathing. So if there was condensation, they could dry out. Yep. So also the membranes that you put in, that they are breathable again, that they don't get anything in. But if there is moisture in the structure, it can actually get out. So this part and of so moisture control was included in your architectural training? Yes, yes. And, and was there, were you learning woofy or hydrothermal modeling or anything like that? Or? We, we didn't have all that fancy technology at right. the time. So we did it by hand. You right. know, we, we did lots of complicated formulas. Ah. But the basic was that we understood how the principle works. Yeah. So we, if we see a structure, we see, oh, my God, you know, the, the alarm blocks go off and yeah. we know that that is that that must be a problem. We yeah. have to get a calculation done. And we could do it by hand, but it would take us a long time. Right. But then we know there are specialists. We can go there and say, hey, can you calculate right. that right. for us? Because we think there will be an issue here. Yeah. So we, we were trained to to understand where it's coming from. And also we had a lot of material studies when we learned at university to understand the difference between the materials from toxic contents, from um, energy, embodied em energy. So what sort of life cycle has a product, you know, from the energy that you need to pr produce the material up to the moment where we recycle it. So all those things were important for us to learn. Yeah, yeah. And that's something that we know now Australia is going great. You know, they, they have now the understanding and, and it's it's great to see that awareness in, in 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 the community that people say, well, we want better buildings. Mm -hmm. And we say, oh, we just insulate them better. We think, yes, that's great, but there's more to it, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. Because yeah. we know what happened in Germany. Yep. And we can bring that uh, experience with us. And yes, today we have woofy analysis and all of this, so we can bring that fancy technology in and have the results a little bit faster. But yeah. we know there's an issue if you do that, like, for example, polystyrene, it's not a great material in my view to use because it can't breathe. So if you have that highly insulated wall, you need a material that can actually breathe and mm -hmm. get the condensation out. And the same is the passive technology because you have that forced ventilation. So whenever you don't open the window, there's a system there that works for you and it has the added benefits of, of filtering the air from pollen and from dust and from mold because yeah. That stuff is in the air, you know, like there's, especially now in Melbourne, Melbourne's pretty crazy with pollens, and I think it's one of the capitals of asthma. Yeah, well, they're, um, they're in New Zealand, yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're sort of uh, head and head for the title of the, the the highest asthma rates. I think we've actually got slightly higher asthma rates uh, than Australia at the you? moment. Yeah, okay. yeah. Which is a, a largely, well, there's debate, but it's to do with mould inside houses as well, which we're experiencing yeah. at the moment. So you get to Australia, uh, you see what's the state of the buildings and you think, oh, uh, there's lots of opportunity here for, for you to set up shop. Exactly, yes. So, so that we, we saw that we lacked the culture and we thought, well, it would be great, you know, it would be great to, to use the opportunities that are here and bring the knowledge that we have to a country like Australia because Australia is not a – you know, a developing country where maybe there's other restrictions because if you go to Africa and tell them build, you know, sustainable, it's much harder because they have limited money, so they mm. can't make a conscious decision. Australia can. Yeah. They, the people are genuinely wealthy, 
I think they're going a bit crazy with their sizes and yeah. to be um, a conscious decision, how much size do I need, really need and how much do I put rather in a good quality build. And I think that's just something that, need, that, that needs to be reassessed and people need to experience a, a good house that is smaller, that actually works. And I think the problem is that a lot of houses get cheaply built and they don't have good storage built in and then people think they need more rooms, mm. but in actual they, they just need a good solution, you know. Yep. They don't need a, such a big house because, after all, you have to clean all of this. <laughs> Tell me about it. Yeah, I'm telling my kids that all the time. Um, <laughs> were there, there – I mean, obviously, you've, you've built a, a successful business now. Um, how many in your team? Um, it varies. We have, like, two um, employees mm -hmm. in our team, and we have – um, two to three subcontractors. Right. Um, we, so we can take, because any architecture business goes through life. So you yeah. have like a lot of work, then there's little work, and we don't want to let people go all yep. the time. So we rather work with people for that overflow. We work um, contractors yep. um, who work with us. They know how we work, and we yeah. work with them before. So we're a good team, but they have other work as well. So mm. We, mm. we can give them as much work as we have to. And yep. that, it's quite it works quite well for so us. you can respond to the demand um but obviously there was client there were clients around and there was a demand for you what you had to offer when you first arrived even though the 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 general market was looking for or or buying something much different lower standard was did you find it hard to attract customers in in the first instance i think we've been pretty lucky and i think Things happen for a reason somehow. Yeah. We've been, I don't know, we always have been quite lucky with the clients who came through our door who heard about us or in some way or form we get to know them. And um, um, and we always have quite um, an open talk about that, um, of what we think about sustainability and how they feel about it. And we inform them. And then it's the client's decision what he wants to right. do and obviously his money to spend. Yeah. But for example, we have um one developer we work with for quite a while and it's um it's a good friend and it's it's a client for us now um and when we first started working with them i think sustainability was a new concept and um we spoke to them about it and and these days he's very sustainable with his developments and it's great to see that journey and it's about people to learn and i think in australia there was a lack of knowledge mm -hmm. in that that what you can do you know that, yeah. that there um there were some people who knew about it but a lot of people are not aware of what the, what the measures are and what the options are and i think that's what we're trying to do we're trying to give people the options that are available and make yeah. them aware of the impacts that it has and even for the early stages of planning like councils are very forward thinking these days and they actually appreciate sustainable development so from from the first day of getting a planning approval a sustainable development is always more highly looked at at something that's just crap. That's and very encouraging. Cool. Is that is that been your experience in Melbourne specifically, or all across Australia? Um, I think it's coming across to Australia because what you have to do is talk to to counts as well. So if mm. we um, going through a planning process, we always make um, contact with the planners. We explain to them our concept because. What I think takes us apart from just an ordinary build is that we put a lot of thought into it and we we look at what the site can accommodate, what's mm -hmm. in the area, what's good for 
for for that individual client in, on that block, but also what fits in well for for the for the whole community. Yeah. And um, what's a good add-on? So, so there's a lot of thinking behind our concepts and how we come up with them, and to co- and it's it's first well to spread that word not just to the client but also to neighbors who may be concerned to counsel. And what we find is that generally, if if we have a very good scheme and something that's well thought through, that it's um, that it's very well received by counsel mm. by neighbors. Because they're naturally worried, you know, if you build mm. something new, they know it's something good. And we do something good and they they generally can gather that once we had a discussion and explain to them the thoughts behind it. And um, and that's great. It's great to see that. So I think Australia generally is, they want to do all the right thing and people in Australia are very open to sustainable measures. If you look in the industry, like if you look at organic cafes, they're, they're popping up everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole organic lifestyle, I think, is something that people get very attracted to and, uh-huh. and they want to change, you know, they want to change, they want to make it better, but all they need, they need an offering, they need to understand what's there and what's good for them, what's good for the environment. And I think it's, it's um, people take up the offers that are available. Yeah, and I think that's where you've contributed to changing their market. You, that's a good example of the contractor you, where you've over time educated them and you've, you've changed the way they operate. But also yeah. by you being in the market, you've enabled people who maybe had that desire but didn't know how to express it. But you providing that offering has given them a, a, a thing to say, yes, that's what I want, and has enabled them to, to move in that direction. So you've sort of enabled that market change just by providing something that's different from, from the norm. And that's, I think, what we need to encourage more of. Exactly. Yeah, I think there's a lot in that that we, uh, from educating the client, mm-hmm. but also inspiring other um, designers mm. and supposed to to look into that and and look more behind the facade and really think about what you put into a building, yeah, yeah. building. Because there's there's a lot of things that are in there. And it's not just we don't stop with just putting sustainable materials in there, but we also believe in a balanced building as such, where we say, well. It's the, the term of performance. It's, it's it's health and um, but it's also a good design because mm. if you have a building that's well designed, you feel balance in it. You know how people say, "Look, I feel really awesome in that space." They mm. can't. But it's all those things that yep. come together. That's where we pushed it further when we um, created Hood, for example, is where we said, "Well, we're in charge of it and we make it an even bigger movement." Tell us about Hood. Hood. I said it was hut, but I like Hood. <laughs> Yes. H-U-T-T. Tell us about what it is and what the concept is. What's the problem that you're trying to solve? Well, we, we basically what we do with Melbourne Design Studios and changing the industry, we, we want to push that a lot further and bringing um, a module that is at the moment just used for one-off houses into a volume market. That's probably the short of it. So um, our aim is that is to create buildings for communities that are healthy that are thermally um well performing um that are well designed but on the other hand um are also benefiting a healthy um planet because if if we get all the houses carbon free then we will get a carbon free world like if we start with houses then you go to offices you go to hotels if all of this is carbon free, we cut the carbon uh, footprint down a lot. Like the, the 
households, the, the construction industry, all of this, which comes together in producing a house and living in a house, is a huge component of the whole uh, carbon production and um, or the whole greenhouse emissions we did for Hood. We actually sat down and calculated and said, well, um, looking at Australia, Australia is one of the highest um, um, producers of, of greenhouse emissions mm-hmm. or green gas emissions. It's actually double as the UK produces. Yeah? Per person. Per person, yeah. yeah. And we don't have to, but that's what we do at the moment. And I think the poor house quality is one of um, one of the reasons for it. Yep. And we said, okay, how much do we have? Because it's a very, you know, what are greenhouse emissions and how can we, you don't see them. So how much is how much? So we said, okay, if you take the amounts of it um, produce of each person a year and you fill them into balloons, you know, mm-hmm. the standard party balloons, and you blow them up, each of us would blow up 3 million balloons per year. 3 p- per year? Per year. We fill wow. up 3 million per person. That's a and pretty it, uh, strong graphic. It is a very image. strong graphic. Yeah. And if you, you don't need even three years, and you have whole of Australia's map filled up with those balloons. Wow. Yeah. So you can see there's a massive production there. And um, I think that's a good way to put it because people, you hear these terms like tons of CO2, but it's quite hard to visualize. I can think of my, my car filled up with CO2, but it, that doesn't really cut it because a ton of CO2 is much bigger than that. <laughs> um, exactly. It's, it's like a figure we can't imagine. We don't have yeah. any relation to. Yeah. And so that's why we went through the effort. So we, we had a long spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was quite a, was quite a tricky calculation. But so the, with Hood, uh, the difference there is, well, the aim is to bring passive house and, and high-performance design to the masses rather than just be an exclusive thing for rich people, right? That's exactly right. So we have, um, we're starting off with a more luxurious offering, similar as okay. the Tesla, because we yeah, have right. start where we are and yep. see what the technologies are and um, also to build a brand because what we want to do is um, desire other people to have a similar good product. So to to create a brand that's well-known um, is actually a good thing. And, and to start with a luxurious product, that works actually quite well. So if you look at uh, Tesla, they have used that luxurious yeah. strategy, as they call it, um, works quite well because you can you can try out those awesome technologies. Mm. And then once you go get some economy of scale mm. and you learn from... Um, producing a few of them, then yep. you can basically bring out your Tesla three, which is yep. fast in the house. And get the, get the production and the cash flow and uh, all the systems up and running. The there's a unique part about the funding of this project in that you've gone out to an equity funding campaign. Can you tell us what that is and and why you've gone down that path? Um, it's we've always wanted to invite. Um, the community to be part of our project because mm-hmm. our aim is to change the community and to get a carbon zero community going in Australia and we thought that's not just a one-man business we should involve the community and open our business up um, for like-minded people that like to share our mission who like to uh, who actually share our passion they spread the word and they are then part of getting Australia carbon zero eventually mm-hmm. so that's what we wanted. We wanted to create a movement. Right. For a movement, you need just one single person. You need a community. Uh-huh. And um, 
so it was from the offset in 2016 when we founded Humberhood. We always wanted to do it and we went through, we jumped through a lot of hoops to trying to get the setup right to allow others to come in to our business. Yep. Um, but at that stage, it was very, very hard to to make that work because the cost to setting that up would have killed the cost to invite little investors on board who can just maybe put in $100 if they wanted to. Yeah. Um, but we learned at that stage that the regulations in Australia would um, change in the near future, potentially, to make crowdfunding, equity crowdfunding happening in Australia as well, which is a fantastic thing because it allows uh, businesses to grow faster and um, that, you know, would otherwise have taken much longer to grow. And that's um, something we thought is a fantastic opportunity for us as that was the plan from the start. And in October 2018, so this year, I think in October, the regulation finally changed to invite um, privately owned companies to actually crowdfund um, yeah. basically their equity. And so we just started that campaign. And at the moment, we're in our expression of interest phase. So people can um, hop onto the Birchip platform. So the Birchip platform is from the founders of Possible. So they have quite a vast experience in crowdfunding. And they're fantastic support for us. So and was they, virtual uh, born out of that change in legislation to allow um, small equity funding? Yeah, that's exactly right. right. So they have um, done possible before and they're still running possible. And with that chance of doing equity crowdfunding, they basically created another platform to allow that. Yep. And it's heavily um, regulated by the government. So they, they went through a long process to be certified by the government to right. run those Yep. Um, to have it in a form that it protecting basically the, the end consumer to mm -hmm. make sure there's no you know cowboys doing some wrong things yeah, with it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, and they, they're fantastic. So they they work with us through those whole things because it's new for everyone, mm. and we don't have any expectations. We really going into that. We we see what happens, and um, so far our expression of interest has been really great. We have. Um, I think by now 60 expressions of interest varying from $100 to $100,000 um, and you just see where it gets us. So the expression of interest is just you putting your interest there and say I might be interested in that sort of value. Right. Um, at the moment we had in the process of getting our offer document reviewed so you have to, um, so the government is basically having a template of how your offer document has to look like with particular wordings that we have to put in there. So we have to put in a risk warning that is given to us by the government. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things that you have to comply with. And we're just having that reviewed at the moment. And um, hopefully in a week or two, that's um, all ready to go. And then people can look at the offer document and then make their final decision if they want to invest, how much they want to invest, and then they com can commit to to being part of, of our business if they like to do so. Now, you're, as we're talking, your um, expressions of interest has got four days to run. So I suspect by the time people hear this, that stage will probably have closed. Um, but yes. does that mean that they um, have missed the opportunity or is it still open at that point? We, we have it extend like we may extend it another few days if um, the offer document is not back yet. Right. So basically, 
um, because it's such a new process, no one really knows how long yeah, things yeah, take. Yeah, yeah. So we put in a figure and then and that's the aim that we're running to. But if at the end of the week we don't have our offer document back, then it may be another week extended. Right. And then we will offer first, we will go into um, a private invited um, campaign, mm -hmm. which means everyone who ex has expressed an interest before will have the first chance to put in their offer right. for about a few days yep. because we have some early bird offers on on the sale to value right. those who are coming in first. Yep. So they have to basically the opportunity to do that and then after a few days we have the campaign public. Mm -hmm. So even from what I understand, even if you haven't put in your expression of interest beforehand, you can then still be part of that campaign. Yep. And like our dream would be if we finished before Christmas because it would be not, uh, lovely. And that happens if we, so basically you have to define a minimum and a maximum. Right. For our minimum, we have not finalized completely, but at the moment we're thinking of doing $25,000 as a minimum target for us to reach yep. and $350,000 as a maximum target. So we need to, we need to reach the minimum target for the um, equity crowdfunding to proceed. Yep. So if we don't um, get to that minimum target, then basically everyone gets their money back. Right. Um, if we reach our maximum target before Christmas, or as soon as we reach that, basically the campaign is finished. Right. Um, our dream would be to have that finished before Christmas, but it most likely it's running through throughout January. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do, and and what do what are people buying into? They basically buy a share in our business, so they can then you know call the new, us the new to, business, which is Homes by Hood. Yes, that's right. exactly right. So that's a um, basically from the set out, it's a design and construct business, mm -hmm. but it's a different kind. Yeah. That's how we call it. Um, and while we start off with the luxury. Um, offering, we expect to build like a handful of houses in the first year. At the moment, we have already three houses on the books that are hitting site very soon. Um, but we want to grow by and by 2025. We our aim is to build 500 houses a year. So you've already got clients that, that want the want yes. one of these. Oh, so it's a bit yes. of a no brainer, really, as an investment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have already clients in the books. We yeah. Also build um, our own house, which we. Uh, um, oh, so you're, you're your own client. We are, yeah, we are the fourth client of <laughs> our <laughs> number four. Yeah, yeah, it's a good strategy. Um, and um, because we um, we would like to build one as well, it's good yeah. to test materials. Absolutely. And we actually, in our own, we will test a few other materials that if they work well, yep. we will put them on our standard hoods as well. Yeah. Um, so we're quite excited about it and we will use it as a case study. So we want to measure the data for five years to yep. see how it performs thermally, but also on, on um, toxic components and stuff like that. So really to see how the house feels like and we will have our doors open a lot of the time and invite others to visit us in our home awesome. and to experience the house. We also be filmed um, by a couple of TV shows yep. so people will be able to um, see our process. We will own a build the house as well. So it's on a very interesting block of land. So I, yeah. we let people know once it's aired, 
yeah, yeah. And then they can see what the, what the process was like. Yeah, and yeah. So it's, it's a very exciting process for us. And once it has aired on those two TV shows, we expect um, a big influx of work. Um, yeah. because it's one of the most favorite TV shows in Australia. Good, uh, good. Exciting. Uh, keep, keep, a, keep an eye out for that. Hey, well, that's uh, it's very exciting stuff. And uh, if all, all that goes well, I mean, the, the future's uh, looking bright for um, your design studio, but also for the construction industry in general, because you know, that, that type of leadership, I think, does really inspire people to demand better, better houses. So I hope to exactly. uh, wish you all the best for that. Where can people get in touch or find out more if they want to have a look? They could go to our website, which is hu.t.com.au or to virtual.com. Yep. Um, and they can get a link there. Um, and there's also an email address so they can get in touch with us directly if they want their own hood home or if they have any questions. We had one hood information night before, but if people have missed it there, we may have another one when the campaign is running and we but they're also welcome anytime to get in touch with us and ask questions or be happy to meet up privately as well. Cool. But I forgot to mention as well, we have, apart from getting a share in the business, depending on the level of investment, we have also a few rewards that nice. come with the offering. So we have um, a collaboration with Yospecs, which are ethical produced um, leather bags from Europe and they're also made in Europe. They're really nice. Yeah. And some of them will be numbered and they have also a hood um, logo with it. So they're quite, ex they're quite exciting products to be an owner of. Yeah. And, um, but we also have some vouchers that come with it. And depending how much you invest, they may be up to 90% of your investment. Wow. So, buy your hood home, you may get quite a, a substantial money back already when you invest and um, then of course they come payouts so in terms of um, your return on investment. We expect from year three that we start paying um, profits out, but the first two years we keep it in the business to grow it mm -hmm. and um, that could be up to 10% of return on your investment. Yeah. Um, Basically, when we build around 20 homes, um, that would probably reflect a profit for each person of 10% of return on the investment. And then that's obviously growing. And, and in 10 years' time, I think I'm ready to retire. So yeah. Imagine. We'll have a beautiful home to do it in. Exactly. Yeah. And then people can benefit from um, successful trade sales. Yeah. yeah. And also know that they've been part of changing the industry for the better. Yeah. Exactly. That's yeah. the, that's um, our main thing because that's what we ultimately want to do. We yeah. want, and we do run seminars as well. We will. Uh, we want to um, develop our own certif certification system. Right. So people can also compare us with other products. So because right. we experience at the moment that a lot of people actually acknowledge that um, the community and people are actually quite keen on green meshes mm. and use that to sell their product. But it's actually not quite true. So they sell their yeah. product as green and sustainable and healthy, but it actually isn't the case. So we had a few where we stumbled over advertising that, hang on, that's not 10 star. You yeah, know, that's yeah, yeah. It's greenwashing. Green washing. Exactly. And yeah. that's what we, we, we don't want. And we want people to have the opportunity to, to know what the difference is. So yep. we will put in a certification 
um, system where we offer other products, other homes, other whatever, to get their, their products certified to our standards. Yep. So that people can get some idea of what it's all about. And that we also run white papers, seminars, all of those sort of things to really spread the word and to, to make um, the community aware of where the differences are and what's a good thing to invest in. Sounds busy. I don't know when you get time to design houses. <laughs> well, at night time, <laughs> daytime. <laughs> awesome. Hey, well, thank you very much, Felicity, uh, for your time. Really appreciate it because it is valuable. And uh, well done to you, yourself and Mark for your journey. And, and, I, and I really appreciate you uh, coming to Australia and bringing your knowledge and expertise with you from Germany because that, that's what we need both in Australia and New Zealand so that we don't have to go through that prolonged 20-year painful process of living through mould, which we're kind of embarking on at the moment. And we, we should try and avoid that. That's exactly right. We have also positive news. We may come to New Zealand at some stage. So I hope so. I hope so. Is um, <laughs> going to New Zealand in maybe a few years, three, four years at least. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. Get, get things going going well. Get a solid base first. Awesome. Okay. Hey, thanks for your time, Felicity. really appreciate it. No worries. Felicity Bernstein there of Melbourne Design Studio and now also the Hoot Put Home Project, which I will put links to on the show notes for this episode. You can find those show notes at homestylegreen.com forward slash 181. And uh, yeah, check out Virtual. That's a uh, pretty exciting looking platform for investing in equity in Australia or Australia startup companies. Uh, so they've got um, some information there on the Hoot Project, Tomorrow's House Today. And you can find that just by going to hut, that's H-U-T-T dot com dot A-U. And also check out Melbourne Design Studio as well, melbournedesignstudio.com dot A-U. Love to know your thoughts on this episode and others. Uh, You can head on over to iTunes and subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. Let others know about it too. And uh, you can contact me by emailing me, matthew at homestylegreen.com. Thanks very much for tuning in. Now go make a better place to live.